Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm today's host, Coleman Hodges, and joining us today, she is an Olympic silver medalist in the mile. She's an NCAA All-American for the Texas Longhorns, and she is a Speedo athlete. Today, we are sitting down with Erica Sullivan. Erica, what's up? How's it going? Not much. Just hitting grind time in the pool. You're start- We're starting to dwindle down to the last few weeks, so that's pretty much all I've been doing. start there it it's it's approaching taper time what uh what does a texas taper look like for you does it just mean you go from a hundred thousand yards per week to eighty thousand yards per week i feel like texas taper is different on who you ask i think my answer is probably the least fun of answers um yeah right now i'm at um like 60s high, 70s low um, in terms of weekly yardage. Uh, so I could see us dropping down to a lot less than that, probably like a week before. So I, I still got a ways to go. Gotcha. So you, you still got a ways. Um, have you gone to meets in the last few weeks? Were you in the group that went to North Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just swam um, the mile there. Um First mile back, it was not great. 1624, I want to say, I think is is what I went. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and I think it was two seconds faster than when I ended last summer. So I'm trying to build off that momentum and try to make the national team again. Yeah, the... Do you feel more comfortable in a long course setting or when you're training long course? I guess you probably train long course year round at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely prefer a long course. Uh, Walls are not particularly my forte. They never have been. Um, So being able to have more time to kind of settle into my stroke count, my tempo has been like the most helpful. Nice. When you go to meets, I mean, obviously you're a distance specialist, but like at the North Carolina meet, for example, like, did you swim other events? Do you just go and swim a mile? Yeah, I dropped a two free prelim. Um, Just wanted to see like how I felt, didn't try to kill myself. And I went like 202, just like pretty relaxed. So that was, that was fun. Like it was, it felt really short. Um, by the time I knew what was going on in the race, I had like a 50 left. So that was great. That's awesome. Fun. <laughs> I, I've never thought about that. How for a distance swimmer, a 200 my, yeah, it's like, it's over like that. It was over before it even began. My body woke up and it was over. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow. And, and whereas, you know, someone who swims a 50 or a hundred, 200 maybe double the amount of time they're used to swimming. It could take ages, but for you, it's just the blink of an eye. It's all perspective. Wow. Like, <laughs> man, put me in the 50. I feel like I would have no awareness of what happened. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should 
do you think you'll swim a 50 meter freestyle before your career is over? Oh God. I mean, I think my best time is like a 28, like 28 <laughs> high too. Do you so, think you could swim a best time in practice in a 50 freestyle? Yes. I think my, my style would be like, you know how they do like the knockout fifties where like two people are, or like one person is eliminated. Mm -hmm. Make it like, don't give them five minutes. Like as soon as they touch, put them back on the blocks and do it again. And I think I could hold my own because I just can't be last. I don't have to win. I just can't be last. Right. So yeah. I think I, can, I think I could hold on. How many 50s do you think it would take for you to do in that format to like hit your max, to hit the best 50 that you could hit? Like, cause do you think it, I'm, I'm assuming it would take you like a few 50s to warm up or like yeah. get, get going. I think I like, like genuinely trying my hardest each and every single time. I think at like number six or number seven is when I'd probably peak. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is, which is concerning, but I think, yeah. <laughs> That's when I'll start to see, like my body will start to wake up. Well, you know, cause we, if, for the swimmers that do these skins races, you know, the elimination fifties, it's like, they'll go there. Some, if they're, if they have true mastery, they'll descend three fifties and like make their third 50, the fastest, or most people will just ascend them and like go all out on number one and try to make it through. But we never get distance swimmers perspective on this. Because like you said, it would take you six or seven fifties to, yeah. to hit your peak. Like, I think it would, the hardest challenge would be like not getting last on the first one when my body just is not ready yet. Like that would definitely be the biggest challenge. <laughs> like just, I'll, hit, just making I'll, it. Hit, I'll hit prime when everyone else starts to get tired and then I start <laughs> feeling good. That's when it's my time to shine, but I got to make it there. I think, I think you should go up to Carol and Mitch and be like, Hey, we should have 50 skins and have there be six or seven rounds of them. What if, <laughs> It'll what really like UT style, like all the female athletes, like, no, actually Leah would wipe me. <laughs> Leah, like, really? I, would, and the, well, I mean, Leah can do like eight free and two free. Yeah. She's got so speed. I, I think I'd get wiped. Like, I really <laughs> don't think I could stand a chance. Do when you and Leah train together, are there different sets that you and her will, will do better or, you know, will you thrive on one set and she's not as good or vice versa? Uh, yeah, it definitely depends. It also depends on how, um, Leah's feeling too. I think Leah's pretty much consistently a better trainer than I am. That's pretty clear to see, but um, I tend to do better if it's like the slight chip away and um, Leah is better at like anything where it's like one easy, one fast. Leah thrives on those sets. Um, but lately I've been doing um, a lot more like distance workouts and my own thing. Um, and Leah has been doing more like mid distance so I'm honestly been kind of doing my own thing the last month just because I have like such a high yardage count to hit. <laughs> I remember I was there filming a men's practice, but the women were training right next to the men. And so I got to go film the women a little bit and it was some best average set. And like most everyone was doing, I want to say it was like 
a 50 fast and the 50 easy or something. And you were just doing, and it, that was like on, I don't know, two minutes or it would, that was on a certain interval and you were just doing like hundreds fast yeah, in, in a lane by yourself. That's been the, that's been the name of the game lately. I've been uh, actually, I recently started to get Abby Pfeiffer. She qualified for NCs this year in the mile. I've been seeing her a lot more. Uh, she's been doing a lot of the yards that I have. So it's been nice to have a face. Um, but I've kind of gotten used to doing a lot of yards by myself. How do you, how do you manage that? Just mentally doing all those yards by yourself? I mean, do you, are you a swimmer who sings? Do you, do you just let your mind wander? Are you good at just focusing on the black line and your mind goes kind of blank? What do you, what goes through your head? It's hard. Like I get mad depressed sometimes. Like it, nothing is harder than seeing all your teammates get out and you know that you have another like half an hour of practice left. Like it's actually kind of soul crushing, but I will say Mitch and Carol have done a really good job at like trying to make it as easy as possible, whether it's like making me come 15 minutes before. So I have to do like a couple yards by myself and then I have people and then I only have like 10 minutes by myself at the end. Like they'll try to find ways to keep me with people for a majority of the set, which helps a ton. But I feel like sometimes it's just hard to avoid and it's like Erica come half an hour early. And, and those are, those are when I'm getting tested. Um, I'm getting tested. Yeah. I, man, distance life. It's just, it sounds, it sounds hard. It is. It is no joke. That is one thing I've learned. I like, and I feel like with sandpipers, everyone kind of did the same practice so now being at Texas where everyone kind of does their own thing, um, it's definitely been a learning curve of like, oh yeah, like this is this is a little different. And it's like, I really got to like start to focus on like, okay, this is what I need to do to do good. So I just need to like hold on to that and it's better for the long run. That's, that's really great to hear. It's, it's very inspiring even because... Uh, <laughs> doesn't inspire me personally to like want to swim more meters but (laughs) you're you're a trailblazer you know you're you're following your own path um and and it's really impressive so absolutely um and on that note it is june uh as as we can see you're wearing your speedo pride shirt and uh you know you're you're a trailblazer in and out of the pool. Um, in the swimming sphere, you are one of the, if not the, uh, I mean, first openly gay swimmer. Go ahead. I'd say I, it's it's becoming better, but uh, in the beginning, I will. It was just me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what it's like to be to be on your own. You know, to to be in a lane by yourself. Um, but I think I think you doing that and you um, being so open about your sexuality and who you are has, has helped others. And that has been a beacon for others to be more open um, about their identity and themselves for sure. Um, So when, when you were making that decision to be open about it, um, can you tell us about, about that journey and not only discovering 
who you were as a person, but also discovering how to tell people and how to let people in um, to that knowledge and, and to that inside of yourself. Yeah, I just feel like like with my coming out journey, all the stars just aligned really, really well. Like I was in an era where gay marriage was legal. It was starting to become a lot more accepted. Shows like Glee had come out. Like there were, we'd seen so much representation in like media in terms of like the entertainment industry. Um, a lot less common in the sports world, though. I feel like there were sports where it was normalized, but swimming definitely wasn't one of them. Um, but I feel like I was just a younger demographic. I was 16, 17 at the time. And honestly, like what I was seeing on TV was accepting. And so I guess mentally, I had just assumed that the world wasn't a big, scary place and it wasn't a big deal. And I think like I was just naive and I just honestly like it just sounded exhausting keeping it a secret like with Instagram and social media being a lot more relevant now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Like if I were to hide that part of myself, I'd be hiding a majority of my life and I would be like it would go to the place of like I'm not keeping it personal, but I'd have to blatantly lie about it because like what would I do if I start a relationship? Would I never post about my partner? Would I have to present a certain way? Like, it just seemed so exhausting to me that I just, it just seemed like the only apparent answer was to come out and just be authentic. Um, But I will say when I did come out, there were a lot of worries that I wouldn't be as good of an athlete anymore. So that was a strange thing to have to come out to, but I mean, it worked out in the end. Were those worries from yourself or were they coming from other people? From from other people. Like for some, I don't even know why it was a thing, but there was like a narrative in swimming that like once people came out, like there was just so much like mental trauma behind it. And like you have oppressed yourself for so long that like once you come out, like you like are going through this like experimental phase where you're not really like taking swimming seriously anymore. Like, and that like your, your times would slip because you're just like going through such a formative event. And like, I felt that was like the narrative that was presented to me and like what people had told me. And it was just like a weird thing to come out to where it was like, Oh, like, congrats, you're gay. Um, just a heads up, you're going to be like learning a lot of stuff about yourself and you might never get faster again. Like it was just a weird narrative to come into, given the fact that not a lot of people had really like seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like, so tell me that was the the expectation, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell me what your actual experience was? I mean, did, you know, did you feel <laughs> a slippage of your athletic career or were you totally fine? I mean, not totally fine, but you yeah. know, did did you experience that or was your experience I mean, different? Like, I do think I was totally fine because I was like so young. I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. I wasn't going to the gay bars every weekend to like find out who I was attracted to. Like, I guess maybe for someone who came out in their like late 20s or someone who came out in like later than planned but I feel like I just come out like so young that it just like wasn't there wasn't much trauma built behind it 
you know, so it wasn't like affected at all. Like the most like scandalous thing I did was go on Tumblr and like met someone over Tumblr, but like nothing, nothing crazy, nothing insane. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is a very, uh, Teenage thing to do, I think. That is which... a very gay teenage <laughs> circa 2016 thing to do. Yeah, that's it's certainly <laughs> relatable for for someone of of my age, even. Um, but so, as you said, you're, um, you know, you you had seen a lot of uh, media that you could relate to, and I feel like that also may have helped. And the fact that um, you weren't your the peer group that you had in that sphere didn't change much because it was from media, right? And I'm sure once you actually came out, um, that opened things up a little bit, or, or maybe people approached you, um, but you still had kind of this core um, demographic of media that it's like, well, that's not going to treat you differently because uh, of you making this announcement public about yourself. Um, how, how do you feel like your inner circle reacted if they did at all, you know, in terms of family, friends, teammates, coaches? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like different for everyone because like we said before, like each person of those groups are a different demographic and they interpret it a different way. And so most of my friends and my teammates were totally chill with it. Like I said before, we like grew up in an era of glee. We grew up in an era of, oh God, like just interesting worlds where like Wattpad was a thing and like weird ships were just going around the internet. Like we grew up in a very niche era where it was more accepted and it wasn't very like stereotyped. Um, so I feel like I was very fortunate in my friend group just being like early Gen Z of like, it's starting to become normalized, I feel like. So that was kind of freeing. Um, same with my sister just being younger than me, like that was her world. It, it had become more normalized. So she was totally open. Um, I would say that like my mom was a little worried when I first came out of like, of just like the fears surrounding um like queerness as a whole which is valid because in her generation you know she was a kid during the 80s like she saw you know the AIDS epidemic she saw all these things and obviously you carry that with a little worry um but I think it's just like once you see your kid in the community that they thrive in I think you understand that like times are changing and you know like there's strength within the queer community like my mom would see you know like some of my gay friends or some of my love interests that I bring home and I think she'd start to realize like oh it's it's not what it used to be it's a lot more like normalized um in terms of coaches I mean like I had swam under Ron for so many years um and Ron's a pretty uh like type a black and white kind of guy and so I'd say that he was a, he was a little worried. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, he really quickly realized that he didn't have, he realized that boys weren't going to be a worry for me anymore. 
And so I think that kind of flipped the fears around a little bit of like, oh, well, this might be a lot more easier to handle than a summer that's like totally boy crazy. So I think it just, life just worked out. And lucky for me, I'm very fortunate that it did work out. And I think like, because of how fortunate I was and how like well I was brought up throughout that time, it allowed me to be a better role model for like everyone else in the swimming community. Yeah. Perfect segue there. Kudos to you. But just how do you feel like this, you know, as you've moved forward after um, making that public, that that has combined or um, become a part of your identity as an athlete? You know, how, how, if, if you do feel like you're a role model, um, in what ways have you gotten to model for other people? Yeah. Um, I was talking about it today with Carol, just talking about how it's pride month. And I, I do a lot of these interviews talking about my experience as an athlete. And I was just kind of telling her how like, sometimes it becomes monotonous and I'm like, it's 2023. Why am I still talking about being gay? Like, I feel like we're past this, but then upon like reflection, I kind of remember that, like, I still get DMS on Instagram of like, hey, you inspired me to come out to my team or like, hey, I was really nervous to tell my college team that I was gay because of like, I'm uncomfortable with the conversations about like me being in the locker room. But seeing you and how, you know, like you are so happy and authentic and how close you are with your team, like that made me able to do it. And like, thank you so much. And so I hear stories like that. And I realize that like, I take my position and like my support from my teammates for granted sometimes, like I am really lucky and I need to show that like, there is good in coming out. And it's still something that needs to be talked about because people still feel nervous and scared to do it. And so I think in moments like that, I am excited to be a role model. And like, it's really inspiring because like I'm happily in a relationship. I've been so for almost two years now and I could not imagine not experiencing that because I was so scared of what my teammates thought. And so, you know, having someone come out and, you know, open themselves up to a relationship and experience love for the first time um, because of me being vocal is, is like so inspiring. Like, I mean, like they say I inspire them, but like those people truly inspire me to do better every day. Mm, that's just great to hear. <laughs> I, and and really, really cool to hear um, that that you are open to that, <laughs> even though interviews like this can can be monotonous, which I totally understand. Um, but also seems like a great reflection. Um I mean, if you were going to have a dialogue with someone who was nervous about about coming out to their team, their family, you know, their friends, was there anything that you did that helped you along the way or anything that you've discovered since then um, that you would say to them? Yeah, I would say I've learned a lot over the years. When I was younger and people would DM me, I'd be like, oh, come out. It's fine. The world is an accepting place. But as you get older and you kind of learn the perspectives of like, not everyone is as fortunate as you are. You kind of learn how to streamline that narrative a little bit. Like 
just being in Texas now and really experiencing a different experience um, that isn't, you know, Las Vegas. It's just, I'm fortunate enough to be in Austin, Texas, but I have met people here who have come from small towns throughout Texas where they have not been as fortunate and they have not been able to come out to family. And so through that, I think I've learned to say like, instead of being like, you have to come out, do it. It's great for you. I've kind of made it a priority to be like, make sure you're safe first, make sure you know that you're going to have a roof over your head and you know, your parents aren't going to throw you out of the house. Like that is your number one priority because at the end of the day, like regardless of your sexuality, like you are a human and make sure you, your human needs are met first. You know what I mean? I've kind of made it a priority to talk about that. Um, But if you're in a safe space and a safe home and you feel that safety is no longer um, like a priority, like, um, and you feel confident in that. And it's more so just like an inner dialogue. I'd say like, come out, be confident. Like you're, you're going to be okay. Um, But I have, I will say that like my safety first dialogue has started to become a lot more prioritized as I've gotten older. Which is, it's, it's great to hear. And also it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. You're a human first, (laughs) no matter what you identify as, where you fall on the spectrum, we're all humans. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, you need, you need a roof over your head. And like, maybe if you have to be in the closet for two more years until you get out of your house, like it'll be worth it. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but like, you don't want your parents to kick you out into the streets and you're struggling for shelter for the next two years of your life. Like there's definitely a safety that needs to be recognized and evaluated before making those decisions. Absolutely. And I, yeah, it, it sounds like you have gained, gained some wisdom as you've, as you've moved through this. Um, because I think that's really sound advice. Um, I am curious, you know, you talked about the Sandpipers, uh, and you're obviously from Las Vegas. So, you know, coming to Austin, Texas, as you've mentioned, um, how do you feel like the, I'm guessing the Texas women's team has been very accepting as well, but has there been a difference at all? Or, or have you felt yourself, you know, even being able to be more comfortable with just who you are as a as a person being on this Texas team now for two seasons? Yeah. I feel like with Sandpipers, especially towards the end of my time there, I was just so much older than a lot of the girls that were there. So it felt hard because I felt like they're at the age where they really didn't have their own like formative thoughts and opinions. You know what I mean? I mean, like me at 16 years old, hell, I was just a talking box of my parents you know, like it's it's hard not to. You haven't really learned about the political system. You haven't really learned about, you know, like I said, like you haven't learned about Stonewall. You haven't learned about the 80s epidemic where it kind of like humanizes minority groups, you know? Yeah. And you've and only so, seen one place in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I felt like my approach for that was more so education of like, no, like there's this within the gay community and oh this sub subsector exists too and bisexuals are a thing and it's not black and white there's a, a whole spectrum there's you know gender queer like pronouns like that you have to educate you can't really you know come in 
very like passionate and anger fueled about a fight because they don't know they're they they were at the time they were kids you know Mm -hmm. and so I think it was just like educating was kind of my priority but and then like you know I was just in a place where I was still living at home so I wasn't particularly like dating either so I think it was more so of just like very like simple approach whereas now out Texas, you know, it's people who have seen it before. It's Austin, Texas, on a college campus. Gay people are not an uncommon thing to see here. Um, my like gay community here is a lot bigger than I had at home. All my friends outside of swimming. I have a wonderful, wonderful queer community that I'm so thankful for every day. Um, and it's been cool where it's just like, they're able to see my teammates. It's been really inspiring seeing my teammates interact with my long-term girlfriend. Like that is something that I'll never take for granted. Um, Whenever I take her, it's always like, Izzy, 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 hi. Like they're so excited to see her. And like, that brings a joy in me because I never thought that that was something I'd ever experience. Like I definitely saw myself, like my teammates being accepting of me because like they train with me every day. Obviously they're going to love me. You know, I'd like, I'd hope they love me, you know, but having that love extend to like my partner and like, they love that the person I love as a person is just like, is a joy that will never go away. Like it, it always brings a smile on my face whenever I bring Izzy to team events. Man, that's just, that's just heartwarming stuff. Um, and so great to hear that perspective too. And so great to hear that your teammates are that level of accepting of your partner. I mean, I, you know, I think in swim teams, you can get, sometimes they can get territorial, right? Where it's like, oh, you brought an outsider in, like, you know, what's their deal? Are, are they, can they, can they come in? Are, are they, are they going to fit? Um, and the fact that, you know, your partner does is, is so cool. <laughs> it is cool. And it's like, it's even cool when I had the HRC dinner a couple months ago and Mitch and Carol were, Mitch and Carol were there and they were like, hi, Izzy. Like everyone knows, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. And count my blessings every single day that is that is amazing and and congrats on having that kind of a community um you have your texas team uh and let's wrap this podcast with talking about the speedo team um how do you feel like you've gotten support from your team speedo and uh and how do you feel like your relationship has grown with them now that you've been with them for quite a while as well yeah it's been fun. I genuinely love all the people at Team Speedo. It's just, I feel like I've never been, I've never associated the suit I wear with the community. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I I mean, I never did. Like, I got a suit, Ron would hand me the suit, I'd put on the suit, and I'd swim. Whereas, like, with Team Speedo, it's like, you're proud to wear that suit. And it's just like, it's a very full circle moment for me because when I first joined Sandpipers, uh, they're a Speedo team. So I pretty much started my club swim experience in a Speedo suit and seeing how that evolved. And now I'll probably be ending my career in a Speedo suit is such a full circle moment for me. And um, another way where like they just go above and beyond and like seeing me as more than just an athlete is like 
they know how much I love filmmaking and like that is a major passion of mine and so every year when the speedo pride video comes out like they give me free reign to do what I want to do so um last year I made a little video with Izzy and I at the at the pool and like us messing around at the pool um this year I recruited my two friends I met in film school and we rented out a studio for the day and we just messed around in different swimsuits and um I have a pretty good plan for next year but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that banking but like the fact that they you know it's a risk having their athlete make an advertising video for them like that is budget out of their pockets and the fact that they're so willing to let me do that as a student filmmaker by no means have I graduated with my degree yet and like I learn something new about film every day and they're giving me the reins to kind of figure it out myself and learn it and it's been so much fun and I'm so 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 grateful for them. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.